We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Chris Russell and Pete Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. 301-230-0980. That's how you get to us. We do the post-mortem on Georgetown. We're going to move Marcus Washington back to 1125 so we can get your calls in here uninterrupted. Let's go to line two. Dave's in Burtonsville. What's up, Dave? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, Dave. I actually uh, worked at a uh, at Matchbox down in D.C., and it's it's an interesting debate that you two have going on because myself, you know, my wife, we're a family of five, and when we go to Caps games and – you know, we go to uh, to games at uh, at Nationals Stadium and stuff like that. Typically, we eat before, and uh, we might buy you know a couple of snacks when we're at the park, and mm-hmm. we get the heck out of Dodge mm-hmm. afterwards. But in working at Matchbox, it's and it it was funny because there's certain nights where it would be packed in there, mm-hmm. and then there were certain nights on game nights where where it wasn't packed. But one thing I can tell you is, a lot of the people that were in there on those nights were either single or they were out without their kids you never saw families on game nights and i think that has a lot to do with it I my think wife that's and a great i point. Make, yeah i think that's a great we point. make a, you know we make a considerable you know amount of money and um it's just you know our our zach brown tickets were cheaper than our tickets to, to go see the nats and our seats were much better and on a night like that you know we hung out around the stadium and went out and, and, and did stuff like that. Dave, and, here's and, how I know you're a very smart guy. You just mentioned our Zach Brown tickets. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest bands of all time, period. End of story. Love Zach Brown band. But, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, like when I said to Pete, right, like him, Brenda, and, and Kelly, you know, that's a, uh, that's a family of three. Okay. It's ex- I, nobody is saying it's cheap. Nobody is saying it's cheap. Nobody is saying that there isn't a smarter and more effective way of doing it. What I am saying is I strongly believe, strongly believe 60 to 70% of people that go to Nationals Park and or Capital One Arena for whatever event are, are people that are saying, okay, let's make a night of this. Let's make a, a day of this. Let's go out to dinner before the game. Let's go out for cocktails after the game. Let's uh, take the kids and give them an experience that they don't normally get. Again, that doesn't mean everyone. That doesn't mean Pete. That doesn't mean Dave and Burtonsville. That doesn't mean every single person. But by and large, the people that are going to games look at it as an entertainment night, a surround entertainment experience. It's not just, not in every case, showing up at 702 for a 705 game and walking walking in the ballpark and walking out to your car. It's just, I think 60% is a little high, though. Okay, that's fair. I, I Listen, you have better, maybe a better feel than I do. Maybe it's 50%. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I have no way to track it, but... I don't know. There isn't a time that I go to an event at Capital One Arena where I don't go out to dinner or meet friends after 
you know, uh, either at, at Guy Fieri's new place or at Carmine's or, I mean, those are the main places that I go because I like those experiences. But, I mean, I've been to the district. Ch- I, you know, again, it's expensive. Like, I, I don't... I don't go out for fancy, fancy meals, but every once in a while, I treat myself, you know, and I treat my friends. Yeah, and I think the safety part of it, I think at times that can be a little overstated, right? I walk around Navy Yard all the time, and I feel safe, and and we go out. People can get shot anywhere. You know, I lived in Hicksville, which you're familiar with, and people get shot in Hicksville. You know, I've got family in Garden City. Yeah. People get shot on Garden City, you know. We See, another reason in, why you're a smart guy, because you're from, you're from you know? Strong Island. That's the – I knew I liked you. I knew I I'm liked not, you. I'm not from Strong Island, but I lived in well, Strong Island. Right. I'm actually okay. from Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll, we'll give you a discount. Dave, How appreciate you. Appreciate Thank the you, Dave. call. Appreciate you, Three one two three zero nine eighty line three. Rich is in Waldorf. What's up, Rich? Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, Rich. What's hey, going on? Let me, let me add something to this. I don't think you guys maybe you may miss this. They're not actually going to put a stadium in the, in the drawings and renders that the city uh, released. It was actually going to be further down on the backside of the jail. And what the mayor actually said was that she was actually going to try to get either the football stadium or they were going to move the Wizards down there and make an entertainment district. So, and and that that's one thing that I think uh, a lot of people are missing that they were going to redevelop those areas. And like I said, you can look this up online. It was going to be either the, the Commanders or the Wizards Stadium because I think the Wizards lease is up in the next maybe seven years, something like that. Now, to answer to back to your question, you got to remember when you build these stadiums and you put these restaurants and things around there, uh, this is something that's even more brings people not just on game day. But on game day, I, I look at it like Chris said, when you take your family to a game, you know you're going to spend a lot, you know, a certain amount of money. Like even if you just say I'm going to eat concessions at, at, at you know, inside this, the stadium, mm-hmm. the concessions are a certain price. So you can say even before the game. And just remember, I know Chris is using Chop House or some of these places, but they put, uh, you know, places that are not expensive, like say like Clyde's. That's along the lines of like a Friday's to me. So it's not Good you know, that expensive where you, can, where you can take your, you can take your kids in there, you know, eat the chicken fingers in there as opposed to the stadium or, you know, there's a lot of other things to do, you know, around, you know, the, when they when they put these things. I think sometimes, you know, you look at just, you say, restaurants and bars, but there are other things. And so, like 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 Chris said, I have to agree with him. It's like an experience where you know that this is what I'm, you know, I'm going to spend this, this, and that. Even if you say for a football game, eight, eight, you go for eight games. Well, you know, for those eight games, you're going to budget to say, hey, that day, you know, we're not going to eat dinner at home. We're just going to eat out. You know, like I said, whether – it's in the stadium, and I get, you know, if you have your kids, you're not necessarily going to go to every bar or some of those things. But like I said, you will still interact in some, in some of those things in those areas. And then uh, one other thing, Pete, that neighborhood has changed so much. I think you guys, um, that neighborhood is gentrified. If you look at that neighborhood, they actually have lawyers fighting to put a the stadium there or, um, or it, and even some of the um, plans that they had for um, to put housing there. Like I said, they, they, they're, they're well-funded um like I said, so that'll be interesting to even see how that goes with that legal battle. But, uh, you know, this is an interesting question. I enjoy you guys every day. Have Thanks, Rich. Appreciate Thank you. you. Uh, I just want to pass along this. I got an email. Uh, that's a good call from Rich. I got an email. Um, uh, I don't know. He didn't sign his name, but T. Hinton. Uh, I'm just going to call him T. Hinton because that's uh, part of his email address. He says, you know, building a new stadium at the RFK stead is not hung up because residents want 
uh, affordable housing around the site. First, there's nowhere to build new housing, detached single family or townhomes in that area. Second, the residents in the area don't want traffic or crowds of over 60,000 plus in their neighborhoods. But the politicians will fight. But the makeup of of the that neighborhood has changed and a new site might not be developed on the RFK site, which is kind of what what Rich was just talking about, right? Uh, it might be moved or, or around or whatever. And I'll, again, let smarter people than me figure out where to put the actual new stadium. He says the last point is there's no land area that will accommodate a practice facility behind the D.C. jail and D.C. general, which, again, I've admitted you cannot do an entertainment district, even a small one, affordable housing, whatever, however you define affordable housing, a new stadium and a practice facility. We said Build the new practice facility, FedEx 2.0 footprint, which you already own the property. That makes sense to me. Anyway, so here's what I said. I said, you know, I, I repeated what the mayor said. The mayor's got to know more than me and you, Pete, and got to know more than the residents of D.C. I don't know how much more, but she's got to know more than I do. She feels recreation, housing, jobs, uh, better access to the river, and professional sports can be built on the 190-acre site. Again, I don't know if that includes the D.C. Armory or not. Here's how I answered the traffic question. I said, if you want your neighborhood to be vibrant and alive instead of run down and ignored and way past its time, you're, you're going to have to embrace change. I, I don't care what the residents want. Ultimately, the residents that are down there probably don't want their apple cart Uplifted. They probably don't want the traffic and the big crowds and the entertainment district and the cost of housing to soar. But you know what? If you want to live in a neighborhood that's in modern in 2025 and beyond, or do you want to live in a situation that is basically held together with duct tape and 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 nails? If you want, if you want to. Stay behind the times. Stay behind the times. If you don't want traffic and a vibrant neighborhood, if if you if, if you want to embrace vibrancy, if right, you will, are, like are they did in Chinatown that, and Navy okay, Yard, either either you're going to push those people out into Ward Seven and Eight, maybe, or you you've got to come up with some viable way to help those people employ themselves. Sure. To be able to stay where they are and afford where they are, where many of them have lived for a long time. I understand that. I mean, I'm not saying that, again, I have all the answers. I'm simply saying that we can't use the excuse of, well, people don't want traffic. Guess what? I don't want traffic either. But in order to change a neighborhood around, in order to make it relevant, in order to make it vibrant, in order to make it where people want to go and spend money and provide jobs and tax revenue. But what's the benefit to those people well, maybe maybe it's maybe it's jobs, Pete. Maybe, we'll maybe, maybe it's serving jobs where they can make three hundred dollars an event night. I love it. One minute you're complaining about, uh, you know, people and ownership and all that other stuff, and now you're telling them you're going to have to take it up the gas pipe because <laughs> here comes a sports team and they're going to they're going to build I, a stadium on their own. All l- right, there. L- listen, I, I personally I don't care where they build <laughs> the new stadium. I, I don't. I, you know, I'm just. I'm just Chris, trying to Chris is anti big money one minute and then he's he's like pro big money. No, I'm going to go to the new stadium wherever it is. The, the location means nothing to me. Nothing. I am just arguing what makes just, okay. sense in my mind. Right. And I and I'm all, all I'm saying is is it a game breaker for you as a fan? Separate Chris the reporter, right. Chris the fan. Right. Is it a game breaker for you if basically 
you know, there's a couple of, there's a small time burger joint. Like, I mean, look, they want in FedEx, what do they got? A Johnny Rockets? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. At the consent, well, because Dan used to own yeah. that. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got those does, types of places within the stadium in footprint. In the stadium. Okay. Is it is it a game breaker for you if there's not a ton to do, if the only thing is really going to the event or going to the game? And then hopping back on the metro or getting your car and going home. Is that a game breaker? It's not a game breaker for me, but it is a game breaker for a lot of people. And we have heard this over and over and over again that people, one of the things people hate about FedEx Field is that there's nothing to do before. Well, it's because you can't leave after the game. So you'd want somewhere to be able to just hang out until all the cars got out of your way. But but that's the the point. If you have that, you don't have to worry about that. Let's go to line four. Keith is out in Clinton. What's up, Keith? I love it when you. I love it when you say take it up the gas pipe. Okay, <laughs> Keith. Hey, we hey, maybe Keith. We could build a new stadium over like off Piscataway Road or somewhere like that. that? <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> my two favorite guys. My favorite show. Don't you guys ever let your ego get too big to where someone tells the other you'll be great without the other? Because together, <laughs> you all you. have the best show. You all are awesome together. We, now, we appreciate you, Chris. Yes. Chris, you know you and I are always seeing eye to eye on all, everything. Most, most of the time, Chris, we you do. and I are right. I appreciate you, Keith. This time, you this time you got me. Yeah, always. I'm, I'm now. I'm now I'm wrong. Now I'm, now I'm wrong. <laughs> Keith is like, but because you said now you're you wrong. Said, you said you said majority of the people yeah. are going to go and want to go to the restaurants right. after the game with the family. Right. You said majority first, and then when when Pete was saying no, I wouldn't, and then you say, okay, Pete. You don't want to go one game, one game. Well, that's not majority of the games. And, and of course, Pete wouldn't be majority of the people. Now, mm-hmm. follow me, because I have an attorney-filled family. So this is why I'm hitting you like this. Okay. Okay, so I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been where I had to wait for the second paycheck to come in to pay for all my bills. <laughs> and now I'm on the side of the fence where, not bragging, but three paychecks a year will pay for, pays for everything for me for the whole year. Got a boy. So Got a with, baby. With, with, with not, you want to sponsor the show? With not having money, with not, <laughs> with not having money, I, I was not going. We were not going to. When I can muster up money to go to the Redskins game at RFK, I was not going to the restaurants after the game because I didn't have the money for one. And, and But two, now that I have, you know, God has blessed me um, mm-hmm. abundantly with money. I, I, we, my wife, my lady and I, we don't go. She fixes the food before we go to the game. We'll go to the game. We're eating out in the parking lot and everything mm-hmm. else. We don't go because we have too much to do. We get out of there, and we're gone. And even the people in our section, our section, you know, we talk a lot. I've never heard anybody say, well, we're going after. We're going here and there after the game to go eat or drink or whatever. Right, but you're, you're, people, you're, you're, talking at FedEx, you're talking at FedEx Field, correct? Yes. Well, that's just the point. There's no place to go around there. Except for the Wendy's, that's a block, uh, you know, a, a thousand feet away on um, on Landover Road. There's no place to go. But at Nationals Park in Capital One Arena, you guys don't ever go anywhere socially before or after the game. We go to the Nationals games. We won't honestly, I'm not, and I'm not a tightwad at all. Um, no, I, I, I'm, okay. I'm going home. All right. I, I, I have a lot to do, but, but, listen, but it would be great. Listen, to brother, see, that doesn't you know, make you or Pete wrong. I just think it makes you and Pete. A little bit different than what most people, I think, do. Okay, but and I agree on, on one other thing before I let you go. I think it's it's sixty percent, maybe or seventy percent, but I think the sixty or seventy percent usually go home after the game. Um, I think thirty percent are looking for a place to go after the game, but most people after okay. these games 
they're going home. This is a long game, a lot to get ready for for Monday. I think most of the people, but it'd be great for you to do a show to ask people what would you do and find out for sure. That's fair. 312-330-0980. Keith, appreciate it, buddy. Let's go to line five, our man Roberto. He's a seasoned veteran. He gets around the area. What's up, Roberto? What's going on? Roberto 980. Yes, sir. Listen, the RFK site is the place. The, the general hospital area is already redeveloped. They have places for restaurants and everything already set up. It's already set up. Uh, the, 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 the people that live in the area have moved out about 10 years ago. Uh, that's a brand new crop of people in the area. And what the mayor is talking about is the plan to have a taxi on the water or the Anacostia from National Park all the way up to RFK and back. And you can go also across to, to, to Virginia from there. You know what I mean? That's the whole plan. They want to develop the area to, to be like a, a extension of the wharf. So it's going, everything's going to be connected all the way down to Georgetown. Right. So, my friend, the place to be, the place to pay to play, to place a new stadium, is at the RFK site. Period. They got all they got all the space necessary. Right, but but that's the point. You, in addition, in addition to the stadium, if you put nothing around it, if you put nothing around it, it's not an entertainment. Um, well, but Chris, that's what I said. The, the the restaurant areas is already set up. The building's already there. All okay. they have to do is put the places in. Okay. And well, then do it. On 19th Street. Yeah. On 19th Street, two blocks from the stadium. Two blocks. Okay. I mean, I, I, again, I'll admit, I don't know that area all that well, but the, the commanders or whoever like are going to want to build like more. Said, just take a, take, take, a walk, take a walk on the park yeah. over there. But, you but, see, but they're going to want they're going to want more, Roberto. My point is, you want to give people the options that they have when going to Chinatown and or Navy Yard or the worst. You're going and that you, you, in, you're able to get all that, Chris. Okay, you're able but to that, get all but that. But that brings not in to mention, that not brings to in money the, the, and jobs and tax revenue. Yes, sir. That's yes, sir. they don't care all about traffic and they don't care about nah, affordable nah, housing. Traffic is already messed up with all the construction going on. So, hey, live with it. Okay. Appreciate you. Thank you, Roberto. (laughs) Thanks, Roberto. Ron in Fort Washington, you get the last word. What's up, Ron? Oh, wow. Thanks. Thanks. uh, And uh, you guys got a great show going today. Thanks, Ron. uh, Yeah, you really stirred something up. Uh, I've been going – I was going to Redskins games back in the uh, 80s, especially all through the championship years. So I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to experience that. Uh, there are a lot of people that live right there near RFK that didn't have the funds to go. I was fortunate enough through my father-in-law where he worked. He was able to get season tickets, I guess, at a good rate or whatever. But I saw a lot of the big games played. I was there when when uh, Darrell made that interception against the Cowboys and we won the championship to go on to the Super Bowl and beat Miami. So I, I understand that. But. You know, we're not going to displace people in that area, not unless they're going to pay them two or three million dollars for each home, because there is no affordable housing in Washington. Those people that have those homes over there by RFK 
have probably passed them down for a couple of generations. All right. So they don't probably have that kind of money to, uh, you know, just up and move somewhere for a football team. I'm fine with it. I live in Prince George's County. I'm fine with the team playing right where they are. They're not winning. <laughs> You're talking about building something for a losing team and, and a losing ownership. I think all they have to do is build around where they have the stadium now. Rebuild the stadium. They could probably got enough room where they could build another stadium right next to the, the one that they have, tear it down, build that entertainment center and area that you're talking about. Uh, that would be great. But most of us, I'll bet you over 95%, probably higher than that, don't go to the restaurants right after the game. We're going home. We're going home because that's where, that's where the heart is. We're going home. I mean, we're not hanging out there to drink. We got enough drunk drivers out there anyway, so I wouldn't advocate that. Uh, you know, what I say is go and enjoy the game, have fun, uh, and then go home and enjoy your family and the rest of your life. Right, Thanks, appreciate man. you, Y'all pal. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Have a great uh, day. I'll be over in Fort Washington tonight, of course, calling 14 big ones at Rosecroft. Uh, real quickly, before we go to Mook, um, uh, our buddy Ben Conti, who's always so good to us, he says, hey, guys, the neighborhoods over there have changed for the most part. And they are pretty modern with gentrification. As far as uh, he said we could ask him about uh, immediate housing, he said uh, the immediate area has changed a lot. A lot of those houses were sold and refurbished. There are still a few shady areas, but not like it used to be. So anyway, again, I, I freely admit I don't know that area well. All I'm saying is you can do more than just plunk a stadium that's dark 330 nights a year. You can do more with that area. And if anybody thinks they're just going to plunk a stadium and there's going to be nothing around it and nothing that benefits the community at large, you're not paying attention to what the city's already done in Chinatown and Navy Yard, period. 301-230-0980. We'll do a lot more on this tomorrow. I can sense that uh, coming up as well. And I might even come in. I don't know if I could do that, but I might try to drive early tomorrow just to go around that area just to take a quick peek of it. Coming up, post-mortem on Georgetown season. George Mason's win yesterday at the Atlantic 10. Marcus Washington's on top of it all. We'll talk with him next right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. One of the greats of the college basketball game hung him up yesterday. And it just happened to be the longtime rival of the Georgetown Hoyas. Jim Beheim, after 47 years as a coach, 58 overall between Syracuse and as a player, assistant, and then a head coach. And the Hoyas season mercifully came to an end last night. A guy that has watched a lot of those 30-plus games this year for the Hoyas, our guy Marcus Washington. You can follow him on Twitter 
at MTC with Mook. He gives you great content from those game sites each and every night. Marcus, Pete, and Chris back here in D.C. Appreciate a few minutes. Are you you're, are you going back and forth between the A-10 and the Big East, or did you just go to the Big East yesterday? Guys, another grind them out win. Um, over Richmond, got back down here to MSG to catch the end of the the Seton Hall, DePaul game, and then Georgetown uh, last night. Have a similar day playing today. We'll be at Mason at two as they face St. Louis, and then I'll come back down probably for um, Creighton and Villanova, which I think will be an excellent one tonight. So wait, that's uh, Barclays to Madison Square Garden, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, so – I mean that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty good double dip. I mean, if you love college football, uh, college basketball, which I know both of you guys do, that's a pretty damn good day. Maybe yeah, get a ca- maybe get a condition between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a very simplistic trip. It's the easiest train trip, just a two train, right? Uh, uptown, downtown. <laughs> no doubt, a boy, uh, Marcus. Let's start with the Hoyas. Obviously, we've watched. Uh, uh, you and I have watched a lot of these games. Um, even the the people. Locally now, I think even the most ardent Georgetown supporters, someone who's watched this program since 1979 like I have when they lost that heartbreaker to Iowa uh, when they could have gone to the Final Four. At, At some point, leadership over there has to realize this is not moving forward. This is not competitive with the rest of the Big East product. And at what point or how much time do they give Patrick and that staff the opportunity to try and get this right? Well, I think at this point, uh, the anticipation and all the talk up here has been that his, his time might be done by Monday, um, that there is a, an ending to this. He's had six years, and I don't even know how many years coaches are going to get anymore because of the uh, transfer portal, but Patrick got uh, roughly a recruiting cycle and a half to turn this around and it just hasn't happened he hasn't mm-hmm. been able to keep recruiting classes at georgetown the guys that he has brought in out the transfer portal have never truly come together and kind of glued together if, if you really do take away the the four days in in new york city where they won the big east tournament uh this has been a, a bad product and to your point uh, where the Big East is going and where some of the teams are going, especially with hires like Sean Miller and, and those type of things, uh, Georgetown needs to make the change probably as fast as possible because last night was frustrating, uh, sad, and it's, it's a relief. It was frustrating because this has been six years, and everyone does feel sad for Patrick, but there's almost a sense of relief of, okay, I think – everyone's on board now to, to move on to the next step for the university. But Marcus, do you, do you think, do you think the university is on board with that? Knowing what it signifies, it signifies, Hey, we're, we're willing and bold enough to make a change and to realize and recognize how bad it's gotten. But we have to do it at the expense of not only Patrick's legacy, but also big John's legacy. Yeah. I've, I think we're at that time uh, two years ago. No, I, this is sort of the problem of hiring someone who is so iconic to a university is generally there's not an out game. Mm-hmm. And the losses were so bad after last season that the university, I just feel like the university has its hands tied where they are still trying to figure out 
how we're going to do it, and in what way can we all save face out of it. But I think we're past the point of it not being done. I, I expect that sometime over the next couple of weeks that we will see some sort of press conference that says that the, the university is moving on and they'll start a national coaching search uh, for the replacement. Where Where is that replacement coming from? <laughs> That's a darn good question. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk of Rick Pitino and being up here in New York. Uh, he's getting a lot of love because there's a lot of talk of Pitino at St. John's that Mike Anderson's time is, is done up here. Um, it can come from various places. If you ask me, uh, if Georgetown wants to go the route of an assistant coach, I've, I've said this uh, time and time again, look down at UVA and Jason Williford. I think he would be absolutely positively great here. If you're looking for an experienced coach and you don't want to go down the Patino Road and you're kind of looking for a bridge, I certainly would make a call to Mike Bray. Um, and if you're looking for someone younger that's probably – exceed the expectations at his job and probably needs to get out right now. Then you look at uh, Kevin Keats down in North Carolina State or maybe Jeff Capel up at Pitt. Those guys have head coaches and experience in Power Fives. Both of them are having a great year. I think both of them also realize that the university that they're at, the posse could be after them in a year, year and a half. So they might be looking for a way to get out. And uh, probably the biggest name that has been mentioned time and time again is Ed Cooley up at Providence. Mm -hmm. My question about that one is, yes, it's attractive to come to Georgetown, but boy, Ed Cooley has it great at Providence. And I don't know what it would take for, for Georgetown to pry him away from there, but Cooley has a great setup, and he has done a terrific job with that program. Uh, let me ask you a spicy potato one here. If you're any one of these programs that need a head coach, but specifically say Georgetown and St. John's, right, just because of the legacy of those two schools and basketball programs and whatever, would you even consider a guy like Chris Beard who left under Texas under very, very difficult and controversial circumstances, but everywhere he's gone – has has done by my remembrance a great job. Like, would you are you that desperate to go down that road, or is that an absolute no because of what he was accused of and and what cost him his job at Texas? I think that if you're talking about St. John's, I I really do believe that they would be the likely of the two to roll that dice at Georgetown. If you look at the um, the university footprint, let's just take sports out of it. The university footprint, sort of the things that they let everyone know that they stand for, it would be really hard to justify bringing in Chris Beard. Mm -hmm. uh, St. John's, because of the new cycle up here and it's so far away from Texas and things just move so fast here, if he came out and won 24 games and followed that with 27 and got to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, I, I really do feel like it would work for that university. I just don't feel like uh, with Georgetown that it works with what the university sort of says it stands for. Understood. And yeah, no doubt that league is tough right now. And you mentioned Sean Miller got back in. So, I mean, Chris is going to get back in. I mean, Ole Miss certainly appears to be, uh, you know, very enthusiastic about hiring uh, him right now. Uh, we'll see if those two uh, can make a deal. Let's throw some uh, light on George Mason. Look, I, Marcus, you and I have had these discussions before. There was a time two years ago I thought George Mason and George Washington both legitimately should start calling the Colonial 
or somebody like that and think about moving somewhere else because they weren't, you know, GW at one point did have some success in the A-10, but it had been long fleeting. George Mason had had no success virtually uh, while a member of that conference. It looked like it was very tough doing it. And yet here, both Kim English and Chris Caputo, I thought had terrific years in that league. Mason's still alive uh, today. Assess their chances uh, against the St. Louis team that, quite frankly, let's face it, like a lot of the Atlantic 10, Marcus, like the Dow Jones, man, up one day, <laughs> down 300 points the next. I give Kim English a ton of credit because when you look at the style he was playing when he uh, first came in, very push and shoot threes and very, very fast, a very fun system. But what we've seen is in the seven-game winning streak, it's sort of possession by possession. We're going to use our big. We're going to grind out. We're going to switch all screens and ensure that we're in help. Uh, one of the big plays yesterday against Richmond was a switch where Ron Polite is on Grace, the big man, and he's guarding him in the post, chesting him until the double has a time to come. Those little things that George Mason is doing is the reason why they're winning the games that they're winning. And Kim English has turned around the narrative. And this is not um, this is not any criticism of Dave Paulson because when you look at where his kids is transferred to and how well they're doing, you know there was talent here in Fairfax. But for some reason, Kim English has been able to push it together in an A10 that what you said that's been very very inconsistent. The seven-game win streak uh, uh, today is definitely a winnable game against St. Louis, but it has to be the same formula. It has to be you're going to control pace, hopefully you hit more threes than you hit yesterday, but it's going to start on the defensive end with being able to deal with Collins and those guys, take care of the boards, and then when you have your opportunities to push, the push. For George Washington, it's even better because I don't think anyone expected Chris Caputo to come in right now in his first year with someone else's roster, go above 500 in the Atlantic 10. Again, played this incredible style. Uh, they had a couple guys, James Bishop and Brendan Adams, that got conference awards this year. And there's some excitement building up there uh, in Foggy Bottom for the Caputo hire, and now it goes to this. Who do you bring in behind those guys to keep up the momentum? And it would be nice to see that for the next three to five years that George Mason and George Washington can be in that top six, top seven in the Atlantic 10 and have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament by winning the conference tournament. You know what he needs? He needs my guy, Brendan Strawn, who played with my son Ryan at Hood, to deliver another Eric Reynolds like he delivered Eric Reynolds to St. Joe's. That's what yeah. that's what they need right now at George Washington behind these guys because Mr. Reynolds put on a show uh, last yeah. night for St. Joe's to help them advance as well. So that's what yeah, they indeed. need, and I, I think Brendan's going to be I think Brendan's going to be filtering some takeover people over there, uh, pretty good. Well, and and what is and and just while we're at it, what is Kim English going to do with Adoro leaving? Probably right. Is he a senior this year? Uh, I know he's looking at leaving the program. Uh, last year, so I would imagine he's going to – this is it, right, for him, if, uh, if I'm not remembering, right? So, like, that's – how do you replace these guys and sustain the momentum that you're building this year? And this is where the transfer portal becomes very, very important yeah. because you're not going to bring in a freshman big. And so what big can you get um, out of the transfer portal, which makes this run so important? Because now you can shop – 
This is what we did with Josh and how we got him the big NIL deal, how he's raised whatever professional stock that he has by playing in this offense. And you might be better at a George Mason than maybe a a mid-level to low-level power five as far as improving your footprint. But that is the next challenge for Tim English is these pieces that have been here, how do you get them in? And Ronald Polite's been great, but one of the things George Mason has struggled with is the point guard position. Um, Prior to this year, Tim is going to have to find a way to bring in that next point guard, if not two, um, to help and assist with Devin Dinkins when he takes over that position. But the challenge is still there. But I think we all agree that where George Mason is going is certainly looking a bit of a tougher matchup. Uh, Minnesota pulls the upset last night because Nebraska just plays brain-dead basketball the last three and a half minutes uh, of that game. And Minnesota finds a way uh, to get the victory. Terps crush them both times. I think Maryland catches a huge break in advance of a game with Indiana uh, by getting Minnesota here tonight. Yeah, and again, another great job by first-year coach and Kevin Willard. I think you're going to see what you've seen this year is what Maryland's going to be going forward, which is, hey, as long as we play as hard as we can on defense, I give you grace and leniency on offense, and it makes for a very attractive program. They will take care of Minnesota, there's no doubt about it, and certainly will have a puncher's chance um, against Indiana. Maryland's problem has been away from home, um, especially in conference. They've been dreadful. So it's just getting that together. But, again, same thing as I said about Chris Caputo. What Kevin Willer has done in, in year one has exceeded expectations. But unlike those two schools, boy, he has a recruiting class coming in next season. And that recruiting momentum with Tony Skin and David Cox, you know, going out there and beating the recruiting trail makes Maryland fans feel like no matter how this season ends, they're definitely on a road, maybe not to the Gary Williams years, but darn close to it. Yeah, no doubt about that. Marcus, appreciate you making some time for us and being flexible uh, as well. And Thanks, enjoy Marcus. those uh, brief train rides between the Garden and Barclays today. i got to be honest with you. I'm super jealous, man. Super jealous. No doubt, pal. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. You got it. Thanks, appreciate buddy. you, man. Marcus Washington is always joining us, one of our great college basketball voices here on the show. Imagine that. Barclays to MSG for games today. That'd be like going from like maybe the Meadowlands to Philadelphia to watch like uh, like Giants at four or Giants at one and then like Eagles at seven. Because you'd, yeah, you'd have closer. to have a little bit of time. But, man, that, that's, a, that's a basketball lover's dream, what yeah. he's doing today, covering those two tournaments. Coming up, our dumb dumb of the day. But first, Russell tells us what's trending. All right, we'll start off with the Players' Championship actually going on in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida uh, at TPC Sawgrass. Colin Marikawa and Chad Ramey, two Americans at the top of the leaderboard at six under. Now, Marikawa uh, four, uh, through 14, Ramey at through uh, 12, I should say. Uh, Denny McCarthy, another American, is tied for fifth right now at four under through 17. Uh, Justin Rose is three under through 12. Meanwhile, just mentioning George Mason, they're getting set uh, for a second round action of the A-10 tournament there in Brooklyn. We just talked to Marcus uh, up in New York City. Again, 2 o'clock for that tip against St. Louis. Uh, Georgetown season, as we mentioned, ending. Still no word on Patrick Ewing. And we'll have the Terps tonight right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Coverage underway at 
8.30 from United Center in Chicago. The tip just after 9. Again, listen to it on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Caps back home tonight for the New Jersey Devils at 7 over on 106.7 The Fan, and that's what's trending. Chris Russell wants to have tailgate parties outside the new Washington venue. Chris and tailgate Ted going to party it up. Man, tailgate Ted throws a hell of a tailgate. So does Pez and Christy. Oh, glad they, you know all about that. Uh, I mean, I go to games. <laughs> I mean, they treat me like a king. Look at that. Love Russell, got to get you a crown. Love I'm, I'm going to stop by Burger King. I'm going to get one of those crowns. I'm going to bring it in for you. You know King what? Russell. I, I went to Burger King last Saturday after mm-hmm. getting blood work done because I'm ter- in terrible <laughs> shape. Listen to that. Right? I went to Burger King yeah, after getting blood work I done. I, I, I'm in terrible shape. My, I mean, my numbers Did are Did they just... come back positive for Whopper? Uh, <laughs> no, because I had... I had uh, the, I had the chicken bacon king something or other. It was de- so it was delicious, good. but the the moral of the story is right on my table. There was a crown, yeah, and I didn't put it on my head. They put those you, things. You know what we're gonna do tomorrow, though. What are we gonna do tomorrow? We're gonna put the crown on the head of oh the, the birthday boy. boy. Yeah. Here's the thing: between now and somehow, I guess tonight we got to find out exactly how we're going to. I mean, we have part of the plan already. Developed. Well, we developed going... the part of the plan where we come in tomorrow morning. We go, "Happy birthday, Matt! <laughs> Have a great day." Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. That's not nice. We've got to. We've we've got to get our boy an exquisite breakfast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, <laughs> you know I mean, mean, I could stop I part at Dad. Of the plan. I could uh, stop at Dash it and get him a sausage well, egg what, and cheese croissant. Well, what if he doesn't like that? I mean, he eats weird stuff like muffins and I don't know. What What's else? A muffin do you eat? weird at breakfast. Uh, what else? Muffins do you eat? are great. What kind of muffins do you like? Chocolate chip. Yeah, m- just, chocolate chips whatever. are awesome. What else do you eat over there? I mean, uh, you don't bagels, eat a lot, but you know, I know that. But breakfast sandwiches. I do. I do mess with the uh, sausage, egg, and cheese. Okay. What kind of pie would you like? If I were to, <laughs> if if I were to get you a pie or a cake, what kind of pie or cake would you like? Um. At chocolate or if for pie wise, apple. I'm a big fan of key lime. That's a family tradition. Okay. All right. See, I'm doing my due diligence right here instead of doing say, a radio. It'd be great show. if we'd have brought in like a boysenberry pie or something like that. <laughs> Matt, look, what the hell is this? I'm going to bring in a rhubarb pie. Yeah. I, I love a good rhubarb. Cherry rhubarb. Woo. That's uh, delicious. Can you find a rhubarb pie? I've never. I, I don't I'm remember. sure somebody's got one. I, I don't remember seeing one. Just ask Twitter. Twitter will tell you where they're all located. I'm at. sure Jeff in Vienna knows where you can get a good rhubarb. Absolutely. Pie. That guy. That guy lives a good life. One thing we know for sure is you can come here at this time every day to get the dumb dumb of the day. It's time for dumb dumb of the day on Russell and Menders. It's probably me for trying to find out what Maddie likes on the radio instead what? of actually doing my due diligence, but whatever. Uh, all right, on a serious note, and this is kind of a weird serious note. Do you remember the California mom a couple of years ago that was arrested and thrown in jail because, well, she was hosting and allowing wild sex parties 
to go on in front of her and in her home without the knowledge of her husband with her teen sons and other teenage girls. You remember that out in California by any chance? I do vaguely remember that. So Shannon O'Connor is the mom. She's been holed up in Santa Clara County Jail for this, those charges, and a host of other charges. I mean, she's facing a lot of charges. So, like, two years now? Yeah. She's facing a lot of charges. Okay, apparently an eight-month period, the wild sex parties, booze, all of that. I mean, it's some really, really, really bad stuff. Well, you know me. I'm not a big, like, eye-for-an-eye guy. I'm not a big, like, violence, you know, equals violence kind of thing. But in this particular case, when I wrote this story, or when I read the story in the New York Post, I said, hmm. I said, you know what? These people are smart. These people are right. So what happened was, in the jail, in the Santa County, uh, Santa Clara County Jail, five inmates, five women. Were they having a sex party? No. <laughs> they attacked Whoa. the prisoner, their prisoners themselves, inside a dorm room and beat the crap out of her for about 16 seconds before... It was broken up. So you might say, well, Chris, why are you advocating violence? Well, here's what I would say. This woman, the AKA party mom, allowed 14 and 15-year-old teens met through social media to be at the mercy of her sons who attended a local high school. Girls apparently told investigators that O'Connor watched, watched, as they were sexually assaulted by the boys. The girls would vomit, be unable to stand, fall unconscious. Uh, There was uh, at one time where a boy was handed a a condom and pushed him into a room, or where she pushed him into a room, uh, where an intoxicated 14-year-old girl was lying in the bed. So here's where I'm getting at this. I never advocate violence, but you know what? The 16 seconds of violence in this particular case was worth it because this lady is about as dumb as you can possibly get. So she, even though she got pummeled, is the dumb dumb of the day because A, she's dumb, and B, she's facing 39 counts. And also fraud charges for more than 120,000 of unauthorized charges on a company credit card. This lady is busto. Congratulations, you're Chris's dumb dumb of the day. And I don't care that she got the crap kicked and out of I her. And I gotta for be honest with you, years. as the father of a 14 year old girl, if she did that in my daughter's presence, I'd have to kick that ass as well. There you go. Damn the charges that would come against me. But I didn't you think you would have kid, a. Pr- I didn't think you would not have. Not at a all. Yeah. Not at all. Me and Jeff Walker, we'd roll up there and apply some street justice. That's what we would do. 301-230-0980. Anytime you can get Jeff Walker out of the studio, I mean, you know, that, that that's that's a bonus. He is the indirect associate producer of our program because yeah. he spends as much time down here as he does with Mullins down there doing the other show at the same exact <laughs> well, there time. He, there he is. So I said Hi, that. Jeff. How are you, buddy? Doc Walker anchoring Burgundy and Gold today. That coverage will be great. It always is every day. Craig Hoffman at 3. More discussion on the investors. See, the one thing Doc Walker likes is money. Absolutely He loves the money. He'll talk about the money throughout the day right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? 
Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.